0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another week, another episode of Gamer's Gambit with your hosts Wayne and Al. So, how are you doing today?
1: As well as could ever be promoted, accepted, or thought of.
0: So, things don't suck right now?
1: Well, they suck, just not as much as usual. Um, the, the second part has gone, which we will talk about, will pretty much fade away into the darkness if the media lets it.
0: Yeah. So, well, let's rip the bandaid off and just get into our first story. So, uh, it's going to be a bit more of a serious story than we'll, so let's just get that out of the way and then we'll hopefully talk about some happier topics. So. We are recording this on March eighteenth, and last week there was a terrible shooting in Christchurch, New Zealand. That I think it was, there were was it one or two mosques that were hit?
1: Two mosques, I think. Two,
0: yeah. And the last report I heard, they were saying that there were fifty-one people who are confirmed as having been as having been killed in the shootings. Now, of course, any time that there's shootings, of course, there are certain political issues. We're not really going to get into all those with, like, you know, guns and things like that. So, you might wonder, why are we talking about this on a show where we usually focus about video games and current events in the video game industry? Well, if you've listened to our past episodes, you know we've talked about... Actually, wasn't it the last, like, two or three episodes we had some topic related to the perceived notion that video games make people violent
1: yeah it's becoming, a, it's becoming an ongoing theme apparently
0: yes it has it, I, I've noticed that too it's kind of become this ongoing theme here but well so you might wonder why are we t- mentioning this apparently the jackass who decided he was going to go shoot up two mosques before he went and committed this evil act he told people to like and subscribe to PewDiePie now what are you asking does the YouTube gamer PewDiePie have to do with this well (laughs) yes pretty much nothing now do you watch a lot of YouTube gamers or do you follow have you ever watched any of PewDiePie's videos or do you follow him at all
1: no, I I'm never I I do a lot of watching of YouTube, uh, gaming videos, but a uh, PewDiePie was never I'm I missed the boat on PewDiePie. I I am sorry to say.
0: Yeah, and I never jumped on that bandwagon either. I watched like one part of one video he did because do you remember there used to be a well I think it's still out there, but there is a free to download game called Slender the Eight Pages.
1: Oh yeah, Slender.
0: Well, I found out that they made a s uh, a sequel or a spin-off to it called Slender, The Arrival. And I figured, you know, I'll go check it out. I mean I played a little bit of the eight pages, never really got into it, but I am interested in creepypastas and the uh the Slender Man mythos. So I did a search for it and apparently uh it was trending, so PewDiePie was the first resort you know, first result that came up and Again, I wasn't much for it. It was him pretty much just, okay, looking around and occasionally saying stuff like, and I apologize, I'm going to get the accent wrong, but, oh, what's this over there? Oh, what the f***? What the f***? Oh, I thought the, what the hat? You know, it's like, I yeah. watched it for a couple of minutes, and it's like, okay, go find something else. So, honestly, maybe that wasn't one of his best videos. Maybe he does have some genuinely funny, witty, or intelligent videos. I don't know. Like I said, I don't watch his videos. That was just my first and pretty much only experience on Pewds channel. Now, I know that he did get in a little trouble a few years back because he did make some racist statements on uh, one of his shows. And then also there was something where there were a couple of guys that ran some YouTube channel and he... I guess their thing was that if you send them something to say, they'll make some little video about it, you know, and doing whatever I, and he said something like kill all Jews or death to all Jews, something like that. And, you know, they did it. And his, of course he did his, you know, apologies and stuff like that. But his reply was, I didn't think they'd actually really do it. And, you know, of course, that controversy eventually it, it blowed over. And I think he may have had a few other situations where he made controversial or, you know, statements that could have been taken out of context could make him sound like, you know, a, a racist or a bigot. Um, those are the only two that come to mind for me.
1: Yeah, no, that's, if and if I'm not mistaken the racism issue was a joke, wasn't it? Like, it was not a great joke, but it was supposed to be a take on... I I forgot what it was, but it was supposed to be a joke on neo-Nazis. Like, you weren't supposed to actually take it as anti-Semitism, but I thought, you know, everybody did and got an upheaval on it or whatnot. You know what I mean? That it was, oh my god, he's so racist, but in his context, he was trying to mock the people like that, or something like, like that. From what I remember reading, so I,
0: yeah, and I thought I remember hearing something about that too. Because uh, again, one of the, my uh, favorite YouTubers. I don't watch his stuff as often as I used to, but Matt Pat from Game Theory. I know yeah. he had uh, an episode that I saw a while ago where he was addressing that, and you know, one of the things that I was saying is that you know, comedy relies a lot on context. So, I mean, I can certainly understand how if it was taken out of its proper context, you could certainly spin it and interpret it any way you want. But, you know, we... Wayne, I don't know about you, but I like to think I'm the kind of person I try to look at things logically. I try to keep a skeptical eye and a rational mind when I'm examining things. What about you? Do Do you think that would... uh you know that? Would you consider yourself a, a rational or logical thinker?
1: I would like to think so. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, t- you know, I'm I haven't joined any cults lately, and I'm not on the whole bandwagon. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not, I'm not a mindless Twitter brigader so you know, I'm not gonna go out there mindlessly to be a sheep for other people's agendas. You know, I. I at least like to think that.
0: Well, I wish that more people in the mainstream media and I, I, okay, I'm being hypocritical here. I just said mainstream media, but I hate that term to some extent. I think it's a loaded term, but well, what some people in the media, okay, that's probably a better way to say it. What some people in the media have done, the moment they hear PewDiePie, they're just jumping right in and assuming that. Video games somehow are responsible for, or maybe not necessarily video games, but people who play video games on YouTube and post the videos, that they're somehow responsible. And they helped radicalize this person. And I, I there was a, I, I think the channel is called The Quarterling, but there was a video I saw there where the guy was addressing it. And there was some article, and, and he was attacking Video game journalists, and I'm doing the air quotes there, but yeah. he's he's like, okay, some of these people who claim to be video game journalists don't really actually care about video games. They just want to make a quick buck, hence why they do their clickbaity titles and stuff like that. But like, there was one video, there was one like screenshot he showed, and it said, and again, this was like probably a, a day or two after the shootings, and it's like the title of the article was at the Christchurch shootings had its roots in Gamergate. hmm Okay. Now I'm not, okay. Do you know, did you ever follow much of that whole Gamergate thing?
1: No, not, not really, but I, I know the gist of it and I know what it, I know what it spawned.
0: Yeah. Cause wasn't it something having to do with like misogyny or sexism or something like that? Cause again, it's not, I've heard of the term, I've had people try to explain it to me, but it's not something that I I consider myself really well-informed on.
1: I, for, I forget what it originally started out as, but from, from Gamer's Gate, you've got ComicsGate afterwards. You've got... Actually, the guy from the courting has also put for video games. You've got him making the exclusively games website, which is supposed to be trying to keep politics out of gaming and a lot of, a lot of this from what I understand, at least the fallout of it is you've got the identity politics and what everybody's calling social justice warriors going and trying to put themselves to like gaming role play gaming, star Wars comic books all these different things and are trying to push some kind of social justice agenda into them and i don't think i don't think gamergate necessarily started out at that as that i think it was a ethics related issue that somebody had originally and then it devolved into a ma- mass of just social politicking and other things like that, and I think that's like the original gamers, Gamergate thing. I, I could be totally wrong. I thought it was like journal ethics and journalism. I thought you know in games journalism was the original meaning of it, and then it just evolved into sexism and other things.
0: Okay, so I uh, just looked it up, and of course Wikipedia is the first one. So according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia. Gamergate controversy stemmed from a harassment campaign conducted primarily through the use of hashtag Gamergate. Controversy centered on issues of sexism and progressivism in video game culture. Uh, Gamergate is used as a blanket term for the controversy as well as the harassment campaign of actors and those participating in it. Uh, Gamergate proponents have, in parentheses, uh, Gamergaters have stated that they were a movement but had no official leader or manifesto uh the controversy has been described as a manifestation of a culture war over cultural diversification artistic recognition and social criticism in video games over the social identity of gamers so okay i and the, one of the things that made me think about this do you remember the satanic panic from the 80s yeah i'm almost wondering are video games in danger of becoming the next Moral Panic? Because, I, I mean, I've I've talked about uh, Satanic Panic on uh, Geekery in general a couple times. And, I mean, I would argue that the Satanic Panic never really truly died out. Now, for younger listeners, in brief, the Satanic Panic, it started in the early 80s where you had a movement by... Usually, right-wing evangelical Christians who were somehow convinced that anything they didn't like was satanic, you know. So, and this was around the time when role-playing games were starting to uh, gain, you know, were starting to become more popular. You, we had the rise of Dungeons and Dragons. We had the growing popularity of heavy metal, which sometimes did have songs about uh, the devil or Darker or occult themes. This was also the time when we saw the rise of the slasher genre. uh Video games, of course, were starting to become more popular at this time, but there really weren't a lot of games that had any of the blood or gu- guts or gore that we have today. So, uh, essentially, and it was just nuts. I mean, you had, and I don't know if we really want to get too, too deep into it, but you know, if you are you know interested in that particular aspect of uh geek culture and history you know go look up the satanic panic and that's what i'm wondering do you think that it's possible that video games since we have had this emphasis lately on whether video games make people violent and you know which of course as we've discussed his studies have shown that no people who play violent video games aren't any more likely to go commit violent crimes than anyone else do you think there may become another? There may come a day when, it, when video games are the next moral panic, or would you say that that particular pa- moral panic has actually been been around for a while?
1: It's already been around for a while. I would I would hesitantly say that it's not video games that are going to become the next panic because it's as we discussed in another podcast it's just an easy out at this point it's the most tactile most easily reached conclusion you can get to the the new panic i really do think is the far left versus the far right at this point and the and the, the war technically over where some of these things Stand. I want to say in geekdom. I don't know if it's gone past geekdom now. Like we were saying, the you know sci-fi movies, uh, role-playing games, video games. You know, Star Wars is just one of them. But you know what I mean. Anime now even has been getting getting it as well um, lately. Uh, It's a thing where it's turned from a panic of I don't I want to say instead of like a religious panic you know and violence it's becoming kind of a cultural panic of people people's identity and people's political leanings versus each other and you know, what people want in, in their cult you know in their escapisms and stuff like that versus, you know, people who want to push their ideals in there. And like, what's funny is the guy who did this, I was watching and I think I sent a le- link to the YouTube of this guy expressively saying he had read the manifesto and trying to get the right and left to be, Attacking each other isn't exactly the reason he screamed out, you know, or he said, subscribe to PewDiePie before live streaming this entire thing. In his manifesto, he explains exactly what he was trying to do. And the, and again, mainstream media, as you said, is falling right for it and doing exactly what he wants, where any other time they would go – Screw you. Technically, they would say what he wanted, but they wouldn't fall into that trap. In this case, they're doing exactly what the terrorist in this case, you know, again, I'll call him a terrorist because he killed people. And, you know, he is just (laughs) just for fear and division. You know what I mean? But the mainstream media, Fox News, CNN, these guys, they're all just falling for the rhetoric that he wants to spread. And that's the really that's the really sad part of this.
0: Yeah, because you did send me a video. The channel I think was called TimCast, and he did make a point. and I think you're in agreement here. Where again, it's not. I mean, I, well, first to go back. Yeah, I think you are right. Where it's not as much a religious panic uh, with video games and violence. It's more of. It's becoming more of a political or social panic than a than a religious one. But yeah, the the video you linked that you sent me, because I, I, I think the guy did make a good point. How again, yeah, the media is pretty much playing what he wants. But and and again, I've heard him. I've heard people say that most people you meet on a day to day basis are not strongly to the left or strongly to the right. They're yeah. somewhere in between. So like some of my friends who are libertarians, um, they, you know, they're one of the memes that gets passed around is uh, it'll show, you know, the left calls me a Republican, the right calls me a Democrat. The truth is, I just want to smoke pot, own a gun and go to my gay friend's wedding. And
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) So, uh, you know, again, so you might have people who, okay, yeah, they, maybe they agree with the liberal point of view on some things, but there's some things they agree with the conservatives on. Um, and mo- so, yeah, that's where most people you meet in your day-to-day life are probably going to fall somewhere on that spectrum. And, and I think the, the guy who was saying this too, where the problem is people, terrorists, like the person who did this shooting, they use, they try to use it as a recruiting tool where they're trying to, it's kind of like how, politicians always try how they try to go for the undecided voters where they're trying to sway them over to their side even though they might only agree with that politician on a couple of issues but before we move on to the next story can i end this story with at least one story related story that is hopefully going to bring you guys hopefully going to bring you up a little bit please do there was a start news article i saw the other day there is a jewish group in i think it was Pen- somewhere in pennsylvania they are raising money to help the victims of the the shootings there so i i wish the media i hope the media does start to f- focus more on stories of that you know how you know people who do belong to different religions even if those religions sometimes are at odds that they can still try to help out you know other people so i thought that was a good story and i really hope that we see more stories about that and but anyways moving on so this next story is has to do with nintendo and mon- microtransactions Uh, There were a couple articles I read, and I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at them, but uh, they were talking about Nintendo and its monetization strategy for their mobile games. So it sounds like they're going to ask their mobile partners to try to either de-emphasize microtransactions and in-app purchases, or at least reduce the cost of them. So what is is your opinion on that? Do you think that's... The right way to go do you think that's you know okay kind of interesting but not really that important or do you think that that particular move by nintendo was not important at all
1: i think in a way it's a very important move in the current climate of gaming with all the games publishers out there all the game developers pushing more and more microtransactions on people, getting more and more greedy and giving less and less to, I mean, half the time we don't even get a full game on release date. Nintendo confirming that they're about the gameplay experience and the experience and giving you your money's worth in in some ways, that to me is very important in this day and age to kind of go against the grain of the rest of, you know, the currently games industry.
0: EA, take notes. Anyways, go on.
1: <laughs> and it also shows that they are a family-friendly, you know, company. I mean, when you parents, parent, I mean, you are a parent, I am not, but, and you have your kids, you don't want your kids to go r- rampant with a credit card. You don't want to know that this game company is trying to bankrupt you. Through you know through loot boxes and you know kind of gambling mechanics, I don't know anybody who really wants that. And then possibly give their kid a gambling addiction because they're just playing a game. Well, here's Nintendo going. We don't want to be like that either.
0: Yeah, and I think it's good because a Nintendo. I mean, I don't know if people still consider them an industry leader, but I think they're definitely one of the iconic game manufacturers uh out there because you know they've been around for a long time and i know there's people that they credit nintendo with helping bring games back after the great video game crash in the early 80s so i hope that nintendo does that and i hope that other companies start to follow suit for some of the points you made how and I know you mentioned that too, is that there's a concern that it's going to lead younger children to develop a gambling addiction later in life. And uh, I, I remember you mentioned before when we talked about this particular topic that, you know, our my in my case, my son being 13 years old and being one of the prime demographics for video games now, are, are people his age, are they going to see microtransactions and in-app purchases and downloadable content are they going to see that as the new norm which and that's why I'm actually glad that I started by introducing him to classic nintendo games like one of the first games I remember introducing him to legend of zelda you remember of the legend of zelda of course right mhm all these years you don't need uh you know how many years ago it was released you don't need any DLC. As far as I'm concerned, that game was perfect enough as it is. You know, well, then again, back, back in those days, they didn't really have the capacity or the ability to do DLC on the, the Nintendo. But, I don't know, sometimes it does make me nostalgic for the days where when you went to the store, you bought a video game, that game was complete. You didn't have to worry about getting the DLC two months later in order to get the complete experience
1: yeah and and that's one of the things and i forget if i talked to you about this before with the dlc but when dlc first came out and the thought of in a normal console video game right i could get an expansion to and more content more ability to play and continue on the story and what DLC turned into was this microtransaction nonsense that oh you can have all these cosmetics, you can get all this other stuff, you can level, you know, like in Tales Zillia, not that I'm ranting about that, or and other <laughs> things, you can get you can get XP levels and and attribute points, and it's kinda like what originally we all wanted was this is a way for them To put out extra levels, extra, you know, different maybe difficulty settings, uh, you know, like I said, expansion packs maybe, and it would further help developers create new content. Now all it is is they can put out two-thirds of a game, one-third of a game, and sell, you know, what should have been in the normal game as, oh, look at the DLC you get. And it's like, no, finish the game, then give me extra. I will pay for extra stuff, but you have to give me a full game first at sixty dollars.
0: <laughs> that is true, and yes, I I remember talking about that, and uh, yeah, and it was a good point. I mean, if, and again, as we've talked before, uh, Star Wars Battlefront Two was probably one of the worst offenders in that where you had game important content and or characters that were locked behind, you know, loot cases. So yeah, hopefully this will, uh, other companies will take note and they'll also stop putting such an emphasis in their, uh, mobile titles on the microtransactions or at least reduce the cost of them. Because if you think about it though, if they do or cost, reduce the cost, they might actually, it might encourage more people to, to spend money on that. And, whether that's a good thing or not, that's a topic for another day. So, well, you know, we talked about back in the days of the NES. One of the nice things about those games was you went to the store, you bought the game, it was complete. Well, there was a, recently there was a story about a game, a pro- professional wrestling game that was developed for the NES back in 1989. That seems like such a long time ago sometimes, doesn't it? Mhm, and it was has recently resurfaced, and the game was called uh, UWC, and it was going to be based on the World Championship Wrestling. Now, did you have a chance to read the article or watch the video that uh, was in the article?
1: I skimmed through the article, and I didn't get a chance to to watch the actual thing. The one question I had, this game was released, right? It was actually... Nope. A, no, it was never actually released?
0: Correct. Never was actually released. There was a prototype of it. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was never actually released. I don't remember reading anything as to why it was re- wasn't was released. Uh, again, it was developed by, I think it was Serda. So I don't know if there was like financial issues or it's possible they may have lost the rights to wcw uh because again the there is a a video on youtube that you can find of it and honestly doesn't look too bad you know it looks what you would expect of a professional wrestling game for the nes back in 89 but you know the animation looked pretty good uh the i remember seeing some of the characters there like road warrior hawk road warrior animal uh rick flair lex luger and Bobby Eaton for some reason, but I I I don't know. I think he he was a little bit more uh, renowned back in the eighties. So, <laughs> but fortunately, it seems like the person who has it, they, they are have announced that they are going to do a ROM dump and they are going to try to preserve it. So it's not going to be like this person is going to, you know, keep this, you know, keep a copy of this game and you know no one else is ever going to get to play it. So. I don't know if uh, I don't know if there's ever if it's ever going to actually be released to the general public. Um, for now, I could see it that the only way you'd be able to get it would be through a ROM site. Yeah. Uh, again, because with uh, well, then again, that's right. WCW was on, went out of business, so if they did want to get the licensing rights for that, they'd have to go through WWE right now.
1: Yeah, technically, or yeah, it's WWE because WWF is now the World uh, Wildlife Foundation.
0: Yeah, because the <laughs> from what I and it's weird with WWF. It used to be called WWWF Worldwide Wrestling Federation, but then it shortened to World Wrestling Federation, and I guess they made a deal with uh, with the World Wildlife Fund, where they could they could use it within the U.S., but I think whenever they were outside of the U.S um they had to they couldn't abbreviate it to wwf it had to be world they had to write it as world wrestling federation and but i guess they broke their agreement so that's why they had to change it to wwe to avoid a lawsuit and um now just out of curiosity back in the day did you ever play a lot of professional wrestling games or was that a genre that you never really got into
1: Never really got into it. I think I played one and I can't even remember what the title was. But I mean, it, it was fun, you know, to play with another player. I can't even remember what the single player was like.
0: It's not a genre that I've gotten too heavily involved in. There's a few from back in the day I remember. Nintendo's Pro Wrestling was actually pretty good, and that was probably one of my favorite wrestling games. Uh, I don't. Do you remember Acclaim's WWF WrestleMania?
1: Yeah, that one I remember.
0: You know where it's like you had the ring just kind of floating in this black void. Um, then there was another one. I think it was King of the Ring, where it was an isometric perspective and it was terrible. And then uh, there was another one that I played a little bit of. And that was, I think it was Tecmo World Wrestling. Since it wasn't licensed, they had, of course, all these, uh, you know, original characters. But the thing that was cool about it is it had a commentator. You know, no voice acting, of course, but it would have, uh, you know, would say things like, and he does a German suplex, and now he's going for the pinfall. And what I also thought made it memorable is between, after every so many matches, there were training exercises you could do. See, then I remember my roommate in college, he had a Sega Genesis and he had a WWF Raw's War. I don't know, that one was pretty forgettable. I think it only had like six or eight characters in it.
1: So here's a question for you How much do we owe the current fighting genre to those old wrestling games? Or, or do they have nothing at all to do with them?
0: Honestly. I think to some extent they do owe a debt of gratitude to them. Because if you look at some of the earlier fighting games like Karate Champ, pretty bland. You had two guys with the same moves and that was it. But if you look at, well, just just use Nintendo's Pro Wrestling as an example. The characters, now as far as I know, they didn't have any differences in like strength or speed or, or anything like that. But they did have unique moves. Uh, like they had a fighter, Hubasa, who'd had his back brain kick. And then you had Starman, who had his flying elbow smash and his somersault kick. There was King Slender, who did, I, I think his it was the backbreaker. Uh, some Korean guy who had a karate chop, and I think he had an, another one as well. So I think it, I, I'm wondering if some of the street fighting games did take influence from that, where it's like, you know, we don't have to have two generic characters. We can have characters with their own unique moves. So just my two cents, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, and and that's what I was wondering is because Kung Fu and some of those old ones, you know, just didn't necessarily have the same things, but there were complex controls, I thought, with some of the wrestling games, but off the top of my head, I just couldn't remember.
0: I haven't played, oh, yes, and then one of the worst wrestling games and just one of the worst games I've ever played, period. And I actually did an episode on it uh, a while ago and have a video of it on YouTube. Did you ever play Data East's Tag Team Wrestling?
1: I don't think so.
0: It's horrendous because, okay, one of the... The pro, Nintendo's pro wrestling, it wasn't that bad as far as control go. You basically walked up to your opponent, and if you didn't punch or kick, you would it would automatically get you in, you know, a lock like you see in wrestling. And then, uh, you would press a, a direction on the controller and either the A or B button, and it would initiate a move. Um, the also you had to be careful because two of them, I think the pile driver and the brain buster you couldn't do right away. If you, like I know the pile driver, if you tried to do it too early in the match, your wrestler would just kind of look up like he was straining and he couldn't do it. And I know the brain buster, not only did it have that same, you know, strained look on his face, but your opponent could actually reverse it and brain buster you instead. Take team wrestling. There were two teams, the Ricky fighters and the strong bads. And Yes, if any of you out there, if you ever were a fan of Home Star Runner, that's where the character Strong Bad came from. But the reason it was so awkward is when you okay, you moved into close to your opponent and you had to press a button to grapple with them, and then there was this like menu you had to flip through to choose what move you wanted to do about the only thing that I can think that was revolutionary about that game. Was when you went outside the ring, there was like a chair or a water bucket or something you could use to pick up and attack your opponent with.
1: Very very much like real wrestling.
0: Yeah, that's about the only, as I said, that's about the only innovative feature in that game. Other than that, it's pretty much, it's very forgettable. And I do not recommend playing it unless you are a fan of really bad games. (laughs) But... Speaking of games that are not bad games, this month is the 25th anniversary of the release of Super Metroid. Now, have you played uh, Super Metroid? Is that a game that you were a big fan of back in the day?
1: I was. I didn't own it, but a friend of mine did. And it was very, very enjoyable to go from Metroid to, you know, better graphics, bigger, you know, world so much and just some of the new different mechanics as well it was kind of like more of the same but different in ways of discovery
0: yeah they they took everything you liked about metroid and they kicked it up a notch as Emra lagasi would say but yeah you're you're right it was a fun game i mean it made you feel like a, a rat in a maze uh, at least the second one was nice because it had a map but, yeah, the first one, unless you had, you know, the Nintendo Power that had the map in. Or I remember you used to have it. I am not, don't know if you still do or not. But remember in the earlier Nintendo systems, it came with that strategy book? Yep. Do you still have your copy of that? No. Uh, I picked one up at the, a used video game store a couple of years ago. It wasn't in very good condition, but I got it more for the nostalgic value. But what was nice about it, it gave you complete walkthroughs for Zelda, Legend of Zelda, uh, Goonies 2, and I'm pretty sure Metroid was, was gave you a full walkthrough of that as well. Uh, also gave you a full walkthrough of Super Mario Brothers. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I recommend picking it up if you ever see it. it. It's kind of a fun little book to just page through.
1: That was, that was the black one, right? The, Correct. With Robbie the Robot on the front?
0: Yep, so I they think. had a yes that is correct and uh it had like a few it it's said it gave you a in-depth walkthrough of a few uh games and then it gave you uh, a little bit of information about a few others and I, as i recall in the back there was just some like sections where it just gave brief snippets of some other games that were going to be released at or were going to be released soon uh for the time but I don't know, yeah, because uh, I enjoyed Su- Metroid. I didn't play much of Super Metroid back in the day. We did pick it up for the Wii U Virtual Console and my son actually really enjoyed that game. Uh, the only other game we've played beyond that was I think it was Metroid Fusion.
1: Mm-hmm. For the Game Boy Advance?
0: Yes. Uh, again, we picked that up for the on the Virtual Store as well. Now, have you played any of the Metroids past the... Uh the two D era?
1: Yeah, I, play, I played um Metroid Prime. I played the remake on the three D S of the Metroid Two, Return of Samus. I missed the Metroid on was it the Wii that um the people from Dead or Alive did? Um I can't remember. Ninja Gaiden. Those guys did a, a Metroid and that didn't turn out well but it had some interesting story
0: yeah and from what i understand the franchise they don't have any plans to uh do anything else with it for the time being uh, a friend of mine said it's because the at least the reason he heard is that the guy who created the series you know it was his baby and he passed away several years ago so, out of respect, it's like they just couldn't find they just couldn't motivate themselves to improve upon his work, so that's just what I heard anyway
1: now Metroid now Metroid prime four, I believe was announced, and they scrapped the entire thing and started over from scratch, which will be out for our switch
0: now, of course, whenever we talk about Metroid, there's another game series that start that usually gets that people usually talk about whenever they talk about metroid you know what i'm thinking about right
1: could it be could it be zelda no no we've already gone over zelda today what what else could it be
0: does, uh, it, have
1: some, be, does it have to be a nintendo game
0: well this this franchise started on the nintendo um but it really took off after the you know the nes and there was some game. I think it was called like the PlayStation uh that really I think got people reinterested in this particular series something with vampires and some guy who has a thing for whips
1: Oh do you, do you mean that that um was it, uh Didn't it have something to do with music and you know and vampires dancing all yes. night Yes okay. Persona <laughs> 4 dancing all night No um <laughs> Uh, yes oh no, castlevania symphony of the night the best castlevania game ever
0: yeah and i know people would often because when when castlevania symphony of the night came out uh they people started drawing those comparisons to metroid which is fair because you think about it the original the the original uh The original Castlevania games, well that's not a good way to say it, the earlier Castlevania games were mostly linear, Uh, the only exception being Simon's Quest, but yeah, people started to call that particular style either Metvania or Castleroid, so I don't know, I personally like Metvania, I think that has a better ring to it.
1: Yeah, Metroidvania, yeah definitely. And, you know, it's it's so weird to think of – would if you think about just having Metroid, would you ever have thought that Castlevania would have made a good fit into a game like that?
0: Honestly, no. And part of the reason – and this is just looking at the Nintendo and Super Nintendo Castlevania games that I played. Because with with Metroid, there was more of an emphasis on – exploration, where for the most part in Castlevania, okay, Castlevania 2 is the odd man out there because there was a bit more emphasis on exploration, but a lot of the other early Castlevania games, it was pretty much go from point A to point B. So no, I never thought that the Metroid style of play would work in a Castlevania game, but I know with Symphony of the Night, it, it worked really well. Um, As did the, I thought it also worked really well in Area of Sorrow and Dawn of Sorrow. Now, of course, the Metvania style of play does have some criticisms to it. Uh, like, one of the things that people don't, nece- don't always like about that style is they think that it focuses too much on backtracking. What's your opinion on that? Do you think that that's a, a logical argument, or do you think it's just part of the the style the metroid style of play and it does make sense in that context
1: i'll agree with it only as far as i can go if you want to 100 percent the game yeah you need to do backtracking but i don't think from memory that you necessarily have to do all that much backtracking i might be wrong but exploration of the castle was a big deal you know what i mean trying to get as much of it as there but as far as i know you could beat the game without exploring the entire castle if i'm correct it was it was technically the bad ending but you could do it
0: yeah you could but the thing that i like about it is i mean i like the way that it 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 makes you think, okay, wait a second. If I'm stuck in an area, maybe I do need to go to some other place to uh, to progress the quest. Like, for example, in, I'll just using Symphony of the Night as an example, even in the first few stages, you're like, okay, you get to that part where all the fishmen are jumping out of the water. You know, you go in the bottom right, there's a, you know, you see that there's an obstacle blocking your way, but I think there was a, if my memory serves me correctly, there was a switch on the other side. And it's like, okay, I, I'm going to have to come that way. Also in that same room, there's a hole in the ceiling. So then you say to yourself, okay, when I find a, you know, the means to jump higher or do something else, I got to make a note to myself, come back and explore that part of the castle. So that's one of the things I do like about the Metvania style of gameplay. Now, I know some people, one of the criticisms they have about the backtracking is from a a logical standpoint, it doesn't always make sense. Like what one friend of mine was saying on uh, his podcast. Okay, so Wayne, if you had a chest in the basement of your house that was locked, where would you put the key? Joy, I want people to
1: find it.
0: Yeah, and let's assume you live in a really big house, like, you know, a huge mansion or something. So if you've got this locked chest in the basement of your mansion, where are you going to keep the key? Of course, you don't want people to find it, right? Yeah. You're going to put it on the opposite side of the house, on the top floor, of course, right?
1: Well, no, I'm going to carry it with me, but that's just...
0: <laughs> well, assuming you had to leave the key somewhere. But no, he was joking about how like, uh, you know, okay, so you're going to put the key on the other side of the house on the top floor, but in order to get to that key, you have to unlock a door. Um, but the key to lock that door is, you know, buried somewhere in the backyard. But however, and this is where that the whole video game logic comes into play, and he was specifically citing Resident Evil one of the resident evil games I about, it's like
1: I, I was about to go there actually cuz i was like what came out first castlevania symphony of the night or resident evil 1
0: <laughs> but he's like okay i got to find a key to unlock a door i've got a rocket launcher why do i need a key i've got a rocket launcher you know why can't i just blow the door open
1: in castlevania symphony of the night can't i just pull down the drapes in the front front area of the castle and just use use those to climb up to those legends <laughs> I can't reach? I mean really
0: yes but well moving on now there was a trailer I heard about and I did check it out on YouTube. Do you remember seeing the two thousand five Doom movie with I think it was like Keith Urban and The Rock?
1: There are things that I will do in this life. Putting myself under the strain of watching bad video game movies is not one of them.
0: <laughs> yes, and there is a there is a trailer out there. The new Doom movie is called Doom Annihilation. And it's going to be direct-to-video. So that means I I don't have high hopes for it already. Now, I did see the first Doom movie, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But then again, I went into that movie with only a a very casual interest and familiarity with the, the Doom franchise. It had a few moments that were a bit cheesy, but they had a few that were pretty cool. I remember near the end when the two main characters were fighting... Uh there was a remix of the first doom music stage or the- f- mm-hmm. there was a remix of the music of the first stage of the the original doom so I thought that was that was cool and then there was like a first person segment which eh, a little cheesy but i I could live with it so when you saw the trailer for the new doom movie, was your opinion on it
1: that it was bad? It did look bad straight up to the end. The other thing was, it didn't look like Doom. I mean, it was... It, Doom's kind of dark and whatnot, and this didn't seem... I don't know, as kind of like... I don't know, I thought something was off with it. That's the reason why I was like, I think I'm going to stay away from this
0: yeah and and I guess it's because a lot of times in doom we're used to like you know rooms with uh pits of acid for some reason and then also you know like blood stained walls and things like that. Now, there was one line in the trailer that I'm not sure if this is good or bad because one of the complaints people had about the original doom movie. Now, okay, what's the premise of Doom?
1: As far as I know, they are studying artifacts and they open a gate to hell and initiate a um, demonic invasion on Mars.
0: Right. It was about demons from hell coming to invade us, except they're coming through a gate from one of the moons of Mars. But in the original Doom movie... They, they they got rid of the whole demons and supernatural aspect of it. Instead, there was like some sort of virus that was causing people to mutate and become the demons and the monsters and stuff like that. So that was one of the big complaints I know people had about that movie. Now, in the trailer for the Doom Annihilation, one of the characters does mention they opened a portal to hell. Now, I'm wondering, are they meaning that literal or figurative? If they're smart, and I have a feeling this is the route they're taking, they are going to consider it a literal portal to hell, so that they are going back to the whole demons and devils and supernatural you know, roots of the original Doom franchise. So, if that's the case, I think that's a smart move. But it sounds like you're still not interested in seeing this particular movie.
1: No, I mean, I have heard, at least I thought I saw something on the internet saying that id Software is staying as far away from the production as possible. There's been some rumors that the Doom guy is actually a Doom girl. and <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's the impression that's- I've gotten, too, because it seems that the main protagonist is female. Now, that's not necessarily a, do- a deal-breaker for me. I can understand how some people are upset because the protagonist of Doom has always been a male. So I don't know what to think of them. If that is the case, I don't know what to think of them having the protagonist be a female. Again, since I'm not emotionally invested in the Doom franchise, it doesn't really make much of a difference to me one way or the other and this might be a topic for a different uh discussion but i i know that's one of the things that can really divide a fan base is when that they when a com- when a, a studio adapts or redoes a you know a video game or a movie or a comic book and they totally change the one of the characters like uh one example I can think of off the top of my head is the re, the new Fantastic Four movie they made, where they made Johnny Storm Black, which in that case, I can kind of see how people would be upset because while it is possible they could certainly be adopted brother and sister, my impression from the comic books has always been that Johnny and Sue Storm were biological.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I haven't seen that movie so I can't say if it to- if it totally
1: killed the movie or not, but for 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 me, I mean, Doomguy is even more iconic than Duke Nukem in my opinion. He is the badass guy and in a way since I don't know if he ever takes off his helmet to reveal what he looks like, you know, we don't really know if he's um A guy or a girl, but you know that I guess he's the epitome of badassery, you know what I mean? Well, that's not to say a woman can't do that. It's just it's one of those things where it flips it on its head and does it do it for good purposes. You know what I mean? Once – if they have the reveal there – is that necessarily a good reveal or will it kind of be like throughout the movie? And then you're just like,
0: eh, all right. I think they did show the, in at least the only doom game I've played is the shareware version. And I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure in that one, they did the the face that you had of your character at the bottom of the screen was male. So, yeah, but this brings us to our opinion section. Overall, video game movies Rarely, if ever, get well, I wouldn't say I won't say if ever, but it's not unusual for video game-based movies to get a lot of negative reviews. So this leads to a question: why what is it about video game movies? Why do they usually suck, or why do they usually get very bad reviews? Now you would think that. Some video games out there have, you know, a lovable cast of characters, or they've just got interesting or compelling characters in them. Why can't Hollywood translate that into a movie? So what are your opinions on that? Why do you think video game movies usually suck?
1: I'll say it in two words. Artistic vision. I think that the directors decide that they have to have their own spin on it or they have to make it their own and go farther away from the source material than is needed. I mean, look at... Let's just take two video game... Well, one video game movie and then one video game director because I don't... So there's... Super Mario Brothers, right? Yeah. Taking a look at the stars of Super Mario Brothers, did that movie need to be like that? Was there any reason why you couldn't have made Super Mario Brothers with the story that was already there, versus trying to make it more realistic, or coming up with this crazy, you know, evolution dinosaur type? weird thing that they decided to do
0: see and you know as the years passed i look back at the super mario brothers movie and i in some ways i actually appreciate it a little bit more is it a great movie no is it the worst movie i've ever seen no but and i guess in the case this is where i think sometimes the video game movies fail i do agree that sometimes it is the artistic vision where the directors are trying to they're trying to make the story their own now i don't think that all video games are necessarily suited for development as movies and that's why i am surprised that super mario brothers did because at the time uh, now, what year was it released? Uh, let me check. But
1: 1993, I, maybe? Okay. Or was it earlier than that?
0: I think it may have been earlier, but I, I guess the way I see it is, okay, with Super Mario Brothers, the basic premise is you've got a guy who used to be a carpenter and went from you know climbing construction sites to rescue his uh, girlfriend from an ape to moving from one side of the screen to the other eating various plants mushrooms and flowers at least i assume that he eats them and most of it's just <laughs> you know most of it is just jumping on turtles and walking sentient mushrooms now i think that if they tried to make the movie like um if if they tried okay super mario brothers was released in 93 so at this time, we would have had, what was it, Mario 1, Mario 2, Mario 3, and I think Mario Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo was out around then, too, right?
1: Uh, possibly, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it was, because I, I think that came out in 91 or 92. I might be wrong on that, but, you know, still, you had these you know, stories that were mostly about someone who runs around jumping on things and collecting power-ups, so... Mm-hmm. I don't think if they tried to, to stick with that cutesy, you know, brightly colored, you know, world of mushrooms and fire flowers, I think the movie would have been a lot, lot worse than it was. I, like I said, looking back, I do actually appreciate the fact they did take it in that direction of, you know, this dystopian underworld where they had the de so... Uh, just my opinion on that one, but
1: And then the second and the second place that I was gonna go is our favorite favorite video game movie director. He has the opposite of the Midas Touch, in which all he turn, all he touches turns to doo doo. Uh you ball just pretty much yeah, e Ball. The guy who just takes any video game movie and pretty much turns it to crap i mean
0: so basically you think he does to video games what michael bay does to the toys we used to play with in childhood Mm -hmm. okay
1: i mean (laughs) i I mean don't get me wrong at at least in some ways you know michael bay's movies are uh, fun to watch (laughs) yeah i i had a friend who went to in the name of the king i forgot what one Game that was based off of, and he was like, "I was so bored." He's like, "the He's like the actual." You could tell that the props were props; they looked like they were made out of cardboard. He's like, <laughs> "It was that bad." He's like, "And I don't know if you bowls are movies are all that bad, but I mean, video games have gotten a bad name." I think. I mean, I'll I'll turn it to something else. Um, have you read world war z
0: i have not i mean i know that the book is totally different from how the movie turned out uh from what i understand if they the book was a lot slower paced where they clearly wanted to make just a you know a straight out action movie
1: yeah well and they have two separate premises in a way um the the book is the telling of the zombie war and a journalist trying to investigate the zombie zombie war, where the the other movie was kind of said during it, and you know the zombies are running and whatnot. And they had two you know two separate things. And the main thing a lot of people are get angry about is that you had a decent, if not great, story in the book World War Z right and you threw all that away and you took that name and you created something totally different than it and i think that again and i think that goes with artistic vision but i think it's even more like you have video game movies that could be just fine look at resident evil you can't tell me that story in the game you know yeah it's cheeky and cheesy but at the same time that kind of story is there did you need to change it not really and don't get wrong the original Resident Evil movie um wasn't really all that bad I didn't think I mean yeah I enjoyed it it. it wasn't it wasn't a masterpiece by any means but it wasn't bad bad you know what I mean it wasn't all bad But at the same time, when you look at the video game Resident Evil for the story there and you look at, you know, the movie Resident Evil, why did they change some of that? Some of that you could have just taken for plane and just made a full movie on it. And the question comes, though, while I'm talking about story and this, is there a chance that people don't take the story – and go go so far because they don't think people will want to watch the same thing that they just played. Is that the ultimate reason why sometimes we don't get exactly what they want because they don't believe if you just played this game that you're not going to want to see the same thing on the screen?
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of it because video games by their nature are an interactive medium, you know, where... You know, you're not watching someone else's story. You're playing through the story. You know, you're not watching Mario run from one side of the screen to the other, jumping over things. You know, you are in control of Mario. So that's another reason I think that the video game movies usually suck is because of that inherent interactive nature of of video games in general. They're not meant to be watched. They're meant to be played. And you're supposed to... I mean, I know... Well, ideally, you're supposed to have some sort of emotional attachment to the characters. So I I know you can do that with both a movie or a video game. So that's probably not the best argument. But that's at least one of my thoughts as to why I think they usually don't turn out very well is because maybe as players, we can't accept watching a game or watching a movie with Mario because we're used to playing Mario and taking control of him.
1: Now, you do know that there's a new CGI Mario movie coming out from DreamWorks. Yes,
0: yeah, so I remember you telling me about that where it's like Sylvester Stallone as Mario, Antonio Banderas as Luigi, and I know they had some other big names on that as well.
1: Yeah, now that, I mean... We'll see if maybe because that's actually a CGI movie, will that follow kind of the plot of Mario? Will that be a halfway decent, you know, video game movie? We don't know, but
0: it's I something think, to... yeah, it's something to consider. And honestly, I think in the case of a movie like Mario Brothers, since it doesn't take place in the real world, I think it is better suited as a CGI movie. Well, at least if you're gonna to try to stick with a strict interpretation of the stories about Mario, I think it's way, way better to uh I think it would work better as a CGI than a live action movie. Uh because I mean I couldn't picture who is it? Anthony Hopkins and John Lazamos, who were the stars of that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like how they did the fireballs as these guns and the you know, they had the jumping boots. That I think worked in a live action movie. I don't think it would have worked if they would have had him like actually throwing fireballs out of their hands, you know? Or yeah. <laughs> or another really good example of a bad video game movie, Street Fighter.
1: Oh come on. Give that. that was Roul Raoul Julia will be forever known as that is his last movie. Come on, what other movie would you like to go down as? As I would have class. rather.
0: I never was a. I'm not really familiar with his body of work. I know he was also in the Adams Family, but yeah, that's kind of a bad way to remember him. And some of it just was kind of cheesy. And and again, I think one of the reasons that Street Fighter doesn't didn't work really as a a movie, a live action movie, is because one of the core essences of the Street Fighter video game is them doing these special moves throwing fireballs and you know sonic booms and things like that and that i mean i know they tried to duplicate some of that like they tried to duplicate guile doing a flip kick and you know then when uh ryu did a hadouken they just overexposed the frame for a couple seconds yeah. so i don't know i, I guess that's or maybe it was just, it wasn't really a good story, but I do have to say there was one part of it that I thought did work. And that's how, I I don't know if you remember the speech that Guile was given when, you know, they were told that, okay, they were just going to pay the ransom to Bison and then, you know, go home. And he's like, yes, he might do this again to, I don't remember exactly how it, you know, how he put it, but it's like, Maybe next time he'll ask for $20 billion instead of $10 billion. But we can all go home. So.
1: All go home.
0: Yeah, and I can. I mean, that part I think did actually have a. was probably one of the better moments of that movie. But, yeah, and then how they made Ken and Ryu as these arms dealers. It's like, what the.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We. Don't have to convince me on that. Now, good video game movies, true or false, Mortal Kombat. Looking actually, back at it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily hold up as well as it does did, but the Mortal Kombat One and Two movies kinda stayed fairly straightforward to its video game story. True.
0: I I actually enjoyed the first one a lot more than the second one. Uh, Because, you know, the whole, on the second one, how they had him turn into the dragons and stuff, that I don't think worked. But I think that the first one did actually work. That is probably one of the better video game movies out there.
1: Now, the best video game movie of all time, Wreck-It Ralph.
0: Yes. (laughs) Did you see the sequel, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet?
1: Yeah. And I... I accidentally watched something which kind of broke me on Wreck-It Ralph, on how, um, like Wreck-It Ralph two is a divorce movie.
0: Okay, yeah, the Wait, I know it's
1: oh good. based on based on you know the woman, you know the man is too needy. And the woman just wants to go away and be independent and do what she wants to do. Yeah. And, you know, and all that. And after I did, I think it was Clownfish TV I was watching. And it was just like, it just kind of broke the actual Wreck It Ralph 2 for me when I'm like,
0: oh. Well, (laughs) I do have to say, I did like the last part, the ending of Wreck It Ralph 2, how they're doing the race. And uh, one of the guys was asking the. Fix It Felix and uh, his wife, how they're such good parents. And they're explaining the secret of being a good parent, but all the cars are racing by, by, so you don't
1: Don't hear hear it. You
0: don't hear what they're saying. And they're like, if only all parents knew that. But yeah, the the first Rocket Ralph was, I I loved it, especially they had the bad guys' support group. And, you know, they had Zangief in there, who's not actually really a villain, in my opinion. But, you know, he's like, just because you are a bad guy does not mean you are a bad, bad guy. guy. <laughs> so, And I was reading something. There was actually a lot of uh, controversy. Well, not really controversy, but though since they had these different villains like Dr. Robotnik and, and Bowser in there, they actually had to be very careful with how they positioned them because I guess Nintendo didn't want Dr. Robotnik to look more intimidating than bowser or something like that but yeah wreck it ralph is probably the best video game movie out there (laughs) so well any thoughts to close out today's episode
1: my mind is blank i think we have covered everything for this week the only final thought is do not do not join the twitter brigade do not give the guy who shot up to two mosques any more clout than he is ignore everything that the mainstream media does it because he doesn't deserve it um that is my video games aren't going to teach you how to kill kill anyone they're not going to force you to do anything there's nothing wrong with it please be safe be happy and game on
0: yep get out there and keep on gaming so thanks for joining us everyone and we'll talk to you next time
1: Welcome to Bone Thriller's Theater
0: Nah, it's not that kind of show It's an RPG actual play podcast My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by our fun-loving cast
1: This is Aaron Jeff here Johnny is my name And I'm Jeremy And what we do is dive in and play various tabletop RPG systems and games Such as Mini 6 Fiasco Inspectors Monster of the Week Fate And more But no matter the rule set or setting, some pretty intense storytelling hits the fan. So whether you like epic fantasy adventure, comedy, sci-fi, horror, or or just horrifically bad puns, we've got something to feast your imagination on. Listen to our full episodes and more at Theater.com. And may the bones fall ever in your favor.